Welcome to the Living Purples Podcast, where we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the sanctifying work of God's Holy Word. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you, and now let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, brand new episode, and I hope that the week is treating you well so far. Today, we are doing a 10-point test in 1 John. This book is a small book. It is only five chapters, but it is jam-packed with deep, rich truth. Rich truth in assurance, because all of us at one point have wondered, maybe, maybe you're even wondering right now, if I am a true believer or not. So if you go through the book of First John, you're going to know. And not only that, but you're also going to be able to have the assurance that you need to help you with maybe some doubting. And understand this. Doubting comes from two things. It comes from Satan trying to steal, kill, and destroy your joy. And it also comes from a heart that is truly seeking to know for sure. And the truth is, if you're wondering about yourself, that doesn't mean all the time that you're in a bad place. But sometimes we can give in to those temptations and we we completely doubt our salvation. We doubt this, we doubt that. And that can lead to not good things. But sometimes the doubt that creeps in is, is legitimate. Maybe the reason why you're doubting your Christianity is because you're not a Christian. Maybe you went to a conference, maybe you went to an arena for a concert and you know, you prayed a prayer and gave your life to the Lord, but it wasn't met with repentance. It wasn't met with this. It was just strictly based on emotion. And I've I've said this a lot lately, but salvation is truly of the mind. And so what happens is, is we come on Sunday mornings, we are in our own personal studies or at, in Bible studies, and the Spirit convicts us of the things that we do that are contrary to what God says. And so God works on us, works on us, and then we make the decision to follow Jesus Christ. So this 10-point test today is to help you to know for sure, am I a Christian and Am I an overcomer? So, point number one is fellowship. Fellowship. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, which says, But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I have to ask you this question. Do you truly enjoy fellowship 
with one another. Do you enjoy fellowship with the saints, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you enjoy having conversations about Christ, the Bible, the promises that are in Scripture? Are those things your passion, or are you the last one into church and the first one out as soon as they say amen? That's the biggest question. And I believe most of us have been there at some point. And I'll be honest, a few years ago, this is more than probably than a few years ago, but the reality is that was me at one point. I was the last one there, first one to leave. And I don't say that proudly, but I can say that I've been changed and now I truly enjoy the time I have with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so it is a great thing. And fellowship with the saints is very, very important. So point number one, fellowship. Point number two doesn't go too far because it's in the next verse. And point number two is attitude towards our sins. What's your attitude towards sin? First John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. What is your attitude towards not just sins, your sins? It's easy to look at other people. It's easy to look at other people's hearts their actions, their attitudes. And it's easy to say, well, at least I'm not like them. See, that's pharisaical. Scratch that off. Don't look left. Don't look right. Take your heart out and look at it. Look at it and ask yourself this question. What is my attitude towards my sins? Do you disregard it? Do you justify it? Or do you hate it? Because in verse 8, it says, if we say we have no sin, I have encountered people. True story. I have encountered one person who said that they were sinless. They have reached sinless perfection in their life. And I said, my dear brother, I'm praying for you. Because obviously at that point, he was no brother of mine. But he was deceiving himself. Because in 1 John chapter 3, it does talk about that, but not in that way. People read that, they don't read the context, they take it out of context, and then they get themselves deceived. We have sin. Sin is always going to be entangling us until the very end. Until we get to heaven... We are going to be struggling with sin. Now, the more we are sanctified, we should be sinning less and less. But we will never reach sinless perfection. But it is our goal to walk as Jesus Christ did. 1 John 2.6 Now, point number three, obedience to God's commands. Obedience to God's commands. Uh, look at the next chapter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. It says, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Now, I can spend so much time 
on this, but uh, for all of our sakes, I'm not going to. But this one is very, very important. Jesus himself said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commands. He also says that in the next chapter of John, he says in 15.10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's. Now, let let me just say this to you all right now. If you love me, Jesus is saying this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. A lot of people say, I love Jesus, and I'm a big fan of Jesus, and he's my Lord, but they don't do what he says. And I I cannot stress this enough, but if you look in James chapter 1, and this is one of my go-tos, because it challenges everybody that reads it. Listen to James chapter 1, verse 22, but prove yourself doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So the reality is, Jesus' voice is not heard by sitting in a quiet room, emptying your mind, waiting for him to speak to you. He speaks to you through Scripture. So if we truly love him, we will keep his commands. We will be obedient to them. And you have to look at this as a slave-to-master relationship. And, you know, as silly as this sounds, and some of you are going to really appreciate this, um, but Ghostbusters 2, I know I know what this sounds like, but Ghostbusters 2, when uh, Vigo, the guy in the painting, appears and Janosch, the you know the foreign guy who is kind of kind of funny and a little bit you know a little bit cartoonish you know he sees him and Vigo says this is like what I command you and he and he bows down and he goes oh command me lord you know as goofy as that is that's what our relationship needs to be with with God. He is our master. Yes, he calls us sons and daughters, which is another study in itself. He does call us friend, but we can never forget who he is. He is the great I am. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is a self-existent one. Before time began, he was, he is, and he always will be. So we must have the attitude of, yes, command me, Lord. That's what we always need to do. Okay, so that's point number three. Point number four, just 12 verses down in verse 15, 1 John 2 says, do not love the world. So that's point number four, do not love the world. Listen to this. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What is the world? Anything that shines. The world systems, what the world says is right, just run from it. Run away from it. Because what the world is, it's under 
the influence of the evil one. Scripture clearly points out that Satan is the god of this world, little g. So here's the deal. Anything that's in the world that contradicts what God's word says is against God. And let me just say this to you right now. Do not love it because it's so easy. It entangles us. It traps us. It shackles us. And we think it's freedom, but truly it's slavery. And I got news for you. The world has given me absolutely nothing but regret and and trials. And if you look at what people do, people work all week just to go and party on the weekend. And I've been watching these videos lately. I probably shouldn't be, but um, these little shorts. I mean, people are just downright cruel today. There's no thankfulness. Uh, there was even a video of a lady who was uh, picking up trash on a beach. And at first you think it's great, but when you, you know, zoom out the shot, she has a friend that's filming her doing this on a phone. And as soon as they get the shot, they pause it, throw down the trash and walk away from it. And that's what a lot of people do. And so why I say this to you is that that's the world. That's the world. But we as believers, we don't love the things of this world. We're in the world, yet not of it. We need to be the the city on the hill. We need to be a lamp in the darkness. We need to be the salt of the earth, as Jesus has commanded us to do. And all these things are not attainable without him, but we need to be that light. Because the light that we show is not just a false light. We, not, we don't shine our own lights. We shine the brilliance, magnificence, light of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at point number five. Point number five is understanding exactly who Christ is, the Holy Spirit is, and who the Father is. 1 John two twenty three says this, Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. You cannot deny the Son. You cannot deny who Jesus Christ is. But you confess the Son. What does that mean? Exactly who Jesus is. The perfect, sinless Son of God, born of a virgin, lived a perfect, sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, was buried and raised with his body, Three days later, was on this earth for 40 more days, ascended to heaven, is waiting to return. Now, there's a lot, obviously a lot more to that. But that is, in a nutshell, those are the really the non-negotiables. And I'm, I probably have missed some other ones, but those are the top ones that we missed. Uh, and then we can't miss on. That, and that's so crucial a lot of people believe that Jesus has sinned. Uh, he probably sinned, but that's okay. He, he was just a good teacher, though. I mean, he really revolutionized everything. Uh, he didn't really rise from the dead. He spiritually did, but not physically. So all these things, when you don't believe every single thing that the Bible says about Christ, you are denying the Son. And if you deny the Son, you don't have the Father. And what does that mean? 
You are not going to go to heaven, period. Number six, that we long for the return of Christ. 1 John 3.2, which says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Do you long for the day that Jesus Christ returns? Do you long for that day? Do you desire it? Do you want it? Or you're still holding on to this life like Lot's wife did. Do you remember that story? Remember when the angels came down and they warned Lot and said, you have to leave now and do not look back. And as they got further away from the cities, what happened? Lot's wife turned around and looked back. Why? Because she longed for the world. Everything that she left behind, she, she couldn't handle it. And this is important because this is what we do. When we become children of God, sometimes we look back at the world like, oh man, I do I do miss these things. And man, I had all these friends and I had I had so much fun. Now I have to deny all these things? I don't know. But we must keep moving forward because in Christ is the abundant life. And not not health, wealth, prosperity, but spiritual things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you long for the return of Christ when you're done away with the sinful nature and now you have a glorified, imperishable body that that is perfect in all things, just like he is? We'll be like him one day. Not exactly like him, but we'll have an appearance just like him. That's what we need to focus on. Point number seven. No longer practices sin and were repentant. First John three nine. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, again, people twist this a lot, but let me just say this. No one who is born of God practices sin. If you are a born again Christian, you are going to sin. I'm sorry to say it to you. You're going to mess up. You're going to fail. Words are going to come out of your mouth. Evil thoughts are going to come to your mind. But this means you don't practice sin. You don't habitually practice it. It's not a part of your life anymore. Yes, you're going to mess up. You come to Christ. You ask for forgiveness. And he is faithful and he will forgive us. But his seed abides in you. The seed here is referencing the gospel or the truth that has been planted within us. And it truly is at times a mystery. But what God has began, he will perfect. And so the reality is that we are born of God. His seed remains in us. And he will cause it to grow and increase and perfect it until the day uh, when our time is up. So number seven, no longer practices sin and repentant. Number eight, do all the one another's. I'll tell you right now, the one another's is such a wonderful, wonderful study. 
I would very much encourage you to look up the one another's in the Bible and just, and go for them and do them. Because I'll tell you what, powerful stuff. First John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. I'm telling you right now, the biggest deal right now is us loving other people. When we love other people, that is a true mark of a believer. And here's the reality. The believer is to love people, not just their family, but also the people of the body of Christ. And I'll tell you right now, I hate to say it, I wish it was all sunshine and rainbows, but it is not. People are very difficult to love. Um, We butt heads at times. A lot of times we disagree with one another. But the overarching love of Christ in which he has forgiven us all of our sins and nailed it to the cross we ought to forgive our brothers and sisters for any small petty grievances we may have with one another. Well, I don't like this carpet, or I don't like the way this looks. I don't like this song today. I don't like blah, 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 blah. Those things are so petty when it comes to the grand scheme of things. But to truly love somebody in Christ means that you love them with the agape love found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's how you really know that you love somebody. And let me just say this. Love is not emotional. It is a command and is laid out in Scripture. Again, 1 Corinthians 13. Go look that up. We've said that many times. But that's how we need to love one another is with that. Let's look at number, number, number nine here. It is love is hearing, and learning God's word. So number nine, you love to hear and to learn God's word. First John 4, 6 says, we are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let me just say this. There are many false shepherds out there today many false teachers, many people who are of the spirit of error. There is, I just found out just this recently, as this past week, there is a sparkle creed that's infiltrating the Lutheran churches right now. And it is blasphemous in every sentence that is recited by people and they memorize it. And I'm going to just say this to you right now. We know the spirit of truth, and we're not of the spirit of error. There are so many people out there who honestly do not know the truth. There's a lot of unbelievers that really want to hear the words of God, but there's not many churches out there who speak the truth. And and it's not just that. It's in living it out. And so it, it's one thing to, to speak the words, but it's another thing to live so to live it out. So if you're living it out and speaking the words of truth, may I tell you what, that is a very great testimony. So do you love hearing God's word? And do you love learning God's word? I'll tell you right now, Bible studies are not jam-packed. There's no waiting list. 
What are the waiting lists today? Waiting lists are going to camps. They're going to sign up for this or that. You know what I'm saying? It's not, there's no waiting lists for people to get into churches. There's no waiting list for, for people to get into Bible studies. And I think that's a really sad thing. But people don't want to hear God's word. They want to hear what other people have to say to validate their life. They have people that surround them, telling them what they want to hear. So it does, again, justify their actions. But it says, we are from God. He who knows God listens to us because they are apostles. They are they are special apostles from God. There's no living apostle. And their miracles, their teachings, prove that they were from God. And their words are valid because all Scripture is God-breathed. So he who is not from God does not listen to us. And it's really sad to say there's so many people that fall into that category today. And what's amazing, though, is that we as true believers in Jesus Christ, we know the spirit of truth. But we also have the Holy Spirit that lives within us to act as an kind of like a warning sign of the spirit of error. So when you hear something that doesn't sound quite right, you're like, and it's something in you causes you to pause and go, well, wait a minute now. That's the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, you're exactly, you're right on there. The Holy Spirit's like, it's like flashing red light saying, stop, stop, stop. Don't listen to this. Don't listen to this. Something's off here. And so there are so many just false doctrines and doctrines of demons and and twists in scripture. But the the, the truth is, Stay in the scriptures, stay in the scriptures, stay in the scriptures. Find somebody that is a good, sound, biblical teacher and and hit your wagon to theirs. And then in turn, take that and you disciple others. That's what it's all about. Make disciples of all nations. And number 10, confessing Jesus is the son of God and you're being unashamed of that. I want you to turn with me to 1 John 4.15. So you don't have to go down too far. Very simple. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Have you made the good confession that Jesus is the Son of God? And not just that. Not just that. You confess him as your Lord, your Master, your Savior, You confess Jesus is the Son of God. Many people say that, but they don't don't live it. And so it's really important that if he is God, and he says it best, Jesus says it best in Luke 6.44, excuse me, 6.46. Here's what he says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? It's, I I say this all the time. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? In verse 47 of Luke 6 says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you who he's like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. 
And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and not acted accordingly is like the man who built his house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. Sounds a lot like Matthew 7, doesn't it? Because it pretty much is. But this in 646 is so powerful. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Remember, he said back in John 14, 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So let's go over these real quick. Point number one, fellowship. Point number two, attitude towards sin. Three, obedience to God's words and God's commandments. Number four, don't love the world. Five, understanding exactly who Christ is, the Holy Spirit is, and who the Father is. Number six, you long and hope for the return of Christ. Number seven, no longer practices sin, but you're repentant. Eight, do all the one another's. Number nine, love hearing and learning God's word. Number 10, confessing Jesus as the Son of God. So, if you have done all of these things, if you've done all those, let's go to our last verse, last chapter, last book, 1 John chapter 5, 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There it is. So, I hope this 10-point test has helped you. I hope uh, that you have taken notes on this and maybe study these out for yourself. Do yourself a favor. Read through the book of 1 John 1-5. through 5. You will not be disappointed. If you're doubting yourself, your salvation, you're doubting the, the validity of you being a Christian, go in. Because this it's a confidence booster. It gives us the assurance. Many, many times in that book, chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, he says, we know, we know, we know, we know. We know this. It's sometimes we just forget. And let me just be honest. We forget easily. So with that being said, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And remember, everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. And until next time, God bless you all.